0: Welcome back to the Jacob Podcast. This week on the School of Unlearning, we are back after a couple of weeks, and I am back. Super excited to be back here with Paul, talking through all the stuff that's going on at church, talking about this Colossians series, and today we're talking about this concept of having a faith that endures. So, let's get started. Good morning. Good morning, Shua. How are you doing, sir? I am good. How are you? (laughs) (laughs) I'm great. I'm great. Listeners. Dad. yes, it's official now. It's Tell official. Us. Tell us, it's been awesome. It's been crazy. You guys probably noticed that we had a little mini break and uh, and that I was gone and not leading services for a little while. And so we had our son. His name is Soren Levi. Yes. Soren Levi Skoyen, and he's adorable, and we love him. And uh, yeah, it's been all the things.
1: I love the Viking warrior vibe.
0: Oh yeah, my um, one of his uncles, Annie's brother, he like he's really dug into the like pillaging conquering he's (laughs) he's like that's a strong viking name a lot of that going on yes yeah no it's it's uh it is everything people say and more and uh it's awesome it's transformative it's tiring it's beautiful it's messy it's great it's awesome
1: (laughs) that is very cool congratulations we love you. you we're excited for you this is what it's all about this is what life thank you makes meaning and all that and we've been
0: feeling the love there's been um so many people here on staff have been like incredibly generous with with meals and presents and um and some people in our congregation too we had someone uh a shout out to stacy if you're listening she she hand sewed a beautiful baby quilt for us it's like incredibly detailed and and we've gotten just incredible outfits. And so many people have done so many thoughtful things. So if you're my, listening,
1: thank you. My wife has been very thoughtful on behalf of me. So <laughs> She did I really well. She is so thoughtful that I find I don't have to be, <laughs> which is... I mean, you've asked questions. <laughs> yeah. You had that baby, right? Yeah, right? right? It's <laughs> here. How'd, how'd that all work out? Is that good? <laughs> uh, and Annie's doing wonderful.
0: She's healing up great. Yeah, we're we're super grateful. And she's taken to this mom thing super well. And I mean, yeah. It's, it's wild, but it's, it's good.
1: It's a funny thing because it, it truly is one of those deals where the world's full of babies, but each one is like the only one. Mm. And, and that's part of the incredible miracle of humanity, the stamp of God, the image of God on every person. Mm. Um, you know, it's not like, okay, well, you know, if this one breaks, we'll just go get another one. It's not like that. It's, oh my gosh, this is the, this is, Wow. Yeah. It's, it's overwhelming. And they're respect.
0: solely dependent on on you, right. which is both heavy, but also yes. really powerful. And uh, one thing I really liked, I think I might have talked about this weeks ago, but I was hoping this would happen, and so far it is, um, just a total realigning of priorities. Oh, yeah. Um, and even just like the sense of responsibility. And I was a little worried, and granted, I'm very early in this, but I was worried that the responsibility was going to feel like a really heavy burden. Right. And that's not how I'm feeling. Oh, no. like It's more like... Um, I feel like I'm finally becoming an adult. Yeah. <laughs> I'm 32 and I just now feel like I'm becoming an adult. Welcome.
1: Welcome. All of a sudden stuff that
0: I just like, I, I, I really had to will myself to want to do. Right. Um. Now it's like, oh no, that needs to be done. That needs to be done. This, yep. you know, and, and stepping in anyway, it's cool.
1: Yeah. It's about time. I, you know, I think that's why in the <laughs> scriptures you get some of those verses that seem to associate the parenting task with maturing and with a spiritual formation that, um, you know, there's even verses about, you know, being saved through childbirth and being saved mm. through, um, yeah. you know, the forming of children and the raising of children. And I think um, that there's a part of our formation that happens that, um, boy, we become, and again, you, you're exactly right, things that you would not do for yourself, mm-hmm. you would gladly, joyfully, you know, you know, without even a thought, do for this other person. And, you know, the real crazy transition is they are completely 100% dependent on you and, uh, every day and every moment they're moving to independence and that, that dance between moving from protection to preparation. That's, I think that's the the biggest, the biggest parenting task in the modern world because we, we have so many ways to shield our kids and so many ways to make life mm-hmm. convenient for our kids. That, boy, the temptation to provide and pr- protect, you know, and at the same time, um, you know, um, prepare, which is the best protection. Yeah, um,
0: It makes me grateful for the, the years I served in family ministry. Here. Yes. Because we used to do a lot of those classes yep. on the yep. different phases yep. right. and talking about, you know, obviously this is a long ways off for us, but talking about when their brain switches. Right. from Concrete thinking to abstract thinking right. and the different positions.
1: So I'm hoping. Were well, you and back in those years thinking, "Why am I here? Why am I listening?" Well, I had to, to this? teach some of those classes, oh. <laughs> which is like, "Hello, everyone! I don't have a kid." <laughs> probably, probably you'll never be more confident to do parenting workshops than, <laughs> than <that>. back then. <laughs> yes, that is awesome. That is just so yeah, awesome. So I, 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 um learned something actually this last week in a conversation, actually, with a podcast I was listening to about um, human development and growing up and children and things like that. Um, I did not realize this, that, that because of the physiology, human physiology, children, um, uh, um, human children are born remarkably early. So most mammals, the size we have, uh, like elephants will be pregnant mm. for like two years. So, but Can because you imagine, well, <laughs> thank God we're not elephants. No, I mean, um, but the idea is that. Children are born so remarkably vulnerable, so dependent, um, you know, because they're they're so early in their development. And I just thought that was an incredible um, insight into why God would do something like that. I just think it does something for the kid and the bonding and the humanity mm-hmm. and um, what it means for us as parents in terms of what love, lo- love feels like. I remember John three: sixteen becoming nonsense. In one respect, that God so loved the world, he sent his son. I remember holding my son thinking, I wouldn't send my son for someone like me. I wouldn't send my son for people. What is that? That's crazy. And it it really, it puts the gospel on another level of, um, wow, you know, in the love of God and another level of, wow. So, Mm -hmm. And however much I feel for my sons and daughters is is a, you know, Jesus said it this way. He said... um, you know asking you asking uh, seeking you will find asking should we give a knock the door we open um for you though you are wicked know how to give good things to your children mm. how much more will your heavenly father give to you all things yep and you put that in perspective and go wow okay yeah
0: all right i've already been um you know i'll, I'll hold him for hours while Annie's sleeping and and we'll have silly conversations and i'll sing him songs and stuff and um we've just had these really sweet moments where I've been thinking about who he's going to be, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm, one thing I'm trying really hard to do is oh, not granted. That's not really a thing yet, but it's up um, to get in the right mindset. I don't want to like put pressure on him to be anything, you mm-hmm. know, to like really just honor the designs that God has put in, in his heart and, um, and to be excited about that. But one thing I was, I've been really pondering is uh, this, this thing of, of explaining Jesus to him mm-hmm. and, um, trying to set him up with a firm, with a foundation while at the same time right. understanding that everything I've ever taught in student ministry and everything I've ever experienced in my own life is you can't force faith on anybody. No. <laughs> and so um I've been finding in my own prayer time now um just having to look at God and say I have to trust you. Yeah. Like I can't make that and I shouldn't. I shouldn't try right. to force it. But I'm also feeling this almost like this reticence to um to uh, talk I don't know it's it's a it's a very complex feeling
1: well i uh <laughs> i started praying for my children before i was married and before we had children we didn't married five years uh and i was praying for my children on the way in driving you just are constantly in that that um thing of i want to do everything that is my part to do that they can have the easiest pathway to jesus possible um but at the end of the day um they are who they are and yeah. um it's between the two of them yes yes and that at some point um it's got to become there. So hmm. very, very um cool stuff. Very yeah. profound stuff.
0: So thanks everyone for listening to my baby stories. Well, we're all
1: baby stories it. with Shua. But da,
0: da, 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 <laughs> da 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 I don't know that. I don't know what
1: what oh, music man. we need for that. You know, so you know,
0: we'd be a little reticent to not uh mention the weather oh. as we are wont to do.
1: A glorious fall overall.
0: Beautiful. Yes. Like some stunning
1: It was like warm, warm warm, 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 cold.
0: Yeah. Uh, like 28 degrees this morning. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: so it feels a little November-ish, but this weekend's supposed to be in the 60s. Good. So um, I did. I, you know, uh, had a really a point of trauma this last week. I took my <laughs> pontoon out of the water. Oh, no. It, it is a grieving process, and um, and now it's going to be 61 this weekend, so I'm going to wish it was in the water. Yeah. I feel like I need to play taps or something right Something now. like that for the end of summer. You have to pry your fingers off of it. My boat, however, my fishing boat is still available for... Oh okay. Suarez, I can it's not in the water. I have to put in the water. I'm suffering here. I was I, just really nice about you having that baby and now yeah, you a big <laughs> deal. But no, I'm talking Happens all the time. What's <laughs> going on in my world. No <laughs> one ever, No one did me a quilt. No one did me a quilt.
0: <sighs> That's true. Because someone if we ask someone to they will. So they I'm, will. Not gonna, I'm not going to I'm not going to do that. No, I don't the want man to, probably has enough blankets. I don't want a quilt. <laughs> we
1: have so many quilts. So many quilts. You yeah, I mean you'll you'll understand this in about 20 years all the things you keep from your children that you slowly start throwing away and you feel Mm. guilty about all of them (laughs) because they're all memories. So I think we're down to like one baby blanket, one onesie a piece for our kids that are uh, (laughs) whatever that I store and my wife wants. Anyway, no bitterness. This is me sipping coffee now.
0: Oh man. Okay. So, um, I haven't gone for a couple of weeks and while I was gone, I tried, you know, I, I, I was pretty disconnected, which was very, very nice. So coming back, um, um, I was listening through the sermon from this weekend, yep. and every once in a while, I, I say this, and I want to make sure I say it clearly so that you really know I'm being serious. Yes, I thought this one was kind of a standout sermon. Ah, I really did. Okay. I just um, it it felt very, uh, very complete. It felt like it pulled in some very important themes from. Um, many of the previous series that we had done, it felt so timely. And you had told me like what, you know, well, we're going to talk about a little bit about eternal security and stuff. And I was listening to the sermon. I was like, Oh, this was the way you unpacked it was very well done. I think. And um, I just want to, every once in a while, i want to make sure you know that I thought that was a, it was a, it was a knockout of the
1: park. Well, sermon. thank you. I appreciate that a lot. Yeah. I um, and I'm really excited to talk about this stuff. Well, this is a fun topic. It is a fun topic, and it and it's it's a um wonderful passage of scripture. That the challenge with, I probably say this about a lot of parts of the scripture, but the challenge with Colossians is that it really is the case that almost every word, almost every phrase, is just layered with meaning and implication. You know, whenever you come to a text, you've got to look at the question, okay, who's the author? What's the audience? What was he trying to say? What then does that mean? If it, what did it mean then? Or what does it mean for us? And then what are the implications of that? If this is true, what are the implications of this? And we're really getting to an important part of Colossians where the implications and the relevance for what Paul is saying in this little book is so stunningly relevant right now. Um, and, and these verses this last week are kind of a linchpin. They, they transition us out of the heavy theology to kind of a practical theology, and then it gets really nitty-gritty day-to-day theology. You know, basically not theology, but how then should we live and the implications of this. And so, you know, he he is all about, of course, the gospel, This this incredible message of who Jesus is, and then this concept of being in Christ, this concept of um, we are in Christ, we are grounded in Christ. That gives us our identity, gives us our understanding, it's our foundation, it's our standing, it's our starting point. There was a time where we were without God. And with, uh, he says in, um, I think he says this in Ephesians, no, yeah, he says in Colossians the there was a time where we were without God and without hope. Because um, we didn't have a place to stand. We didn't have a foundation. And so it's kind of like our best guess, our speculation, this philosopher, this worldly understanding, you know, um, this experience. Um, and what Christ does is grounds us. It gives us a foundation. It gives us um, a, a place um, to stand. And um, so he starts, uh, we're still in chapter one, with this incredible doxology that we looked at last week, you know, that he is the um, image of the invisible God. In that, in that concept, that word icon, he is the icon. Um, is that this is exactly what God is about, what he's like, who he is, and because we have this foundation of theism that we believe in God, that we believe that that defines right and wrong. It's not that God randomly says, "I think I'll make this right" and "I think I'll make this wrong," and you know, it's it's not outside of himself Mm. the understanding is is that god defines what's right and wrong godliness righteousness is found in his nature and character Mm -hmm. and so it's patience it's love it's goodness it's it's compassion it's all the things that um he speaks about and demonstrates in honestly difficult ways to see for me a lot of times in the old testament because the old testament can be so harsh and so you have all these things god has said about himself and then what you have is you know, John chapter one, the word, you know, in the beginning was the word God. That's that concept. That's the Greek word logos, which is this concept of the ultimate everything, the, the, the one who represents that, which is transcendent, the, the eternal one. So God. So what you have in Jesus is this revelation that this is, this is, this is everything that matters, everything that's significant. This is reality, and, and, th- and, and just to connect it to the word, word, this is what I'm trying to say about myself, about what matters, about who you are. <laughs> and so when we come back to Colossians, and he uses that word icon there, <clears throat> which was a very powerful Greek word. More coffee. Um, <laughs> um, he's saying something so incredibly powerful about what it means to be in Christ and what it means and that this defines everything. This is the foundation. This is the starting place. Um, you know, and then he goes on to say, he's the image of the image of God, the firstborn among all creation, the validation of the word of God through the resurrection. We, 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 we don't make as big, big a deal as, about the resurrection as the early church did. We tend to emphasize the cross more mm-hmm. Um, and they certainly talked about the cross. But the cross was the means, and the ends is the resurrection. And his resurrection is he's the firstborn, so that's the hope of our resurrection. And that is the validation of everything Jesus taught and thought. <clears throat> and so that, of course, brings us back then to everything Jesus taught and everything he did. His life is an example. It's just, man, we're just supposed to be obsessed with Jesus, supposed to be looking at Jesus, supposed to be learning from Jesus. We, You know, one of the passages of scriptures that Christians should just know inside and out is a Sermon on the Mount or in Luke, Luke's handling the Sermon on the Plain, all those things it talks about turning the other cheek, going the extra mile, you know, start with the log in your own eye, make your deal the big deal in humility. I mean, all those principles of Jesus, and then the whole idea of how he lived out the Sermon on the Mount, turning the other cheek on the cross. And so, again, all this just becomes what that means, and then what it is the implication of that is how then should I live? Um, and so Paul lays out all that foundation of Christ, and then he comes to the passage this week where he, he's talking about um, in you. So he's, he's had it up there, far out. Here's theology. Here's a bunch of big things we're saying about Jesus and God and reality and right and wrong and truth, and then he brings it to you. He says in you. Okay, this is personal. This is intimate. This is ultimately about who you are and how you're supposed to live. He said there's a time you were hostile in your mind towards God. And that's just a powerful, powerful um, statement, thought. And I thought to myself, in what ways was I hostile in my mind towards God? And what ways are we hostile um, in our mind towards God? Well, it comes back to, um, you know, uh, I don't want you to be God. I want to be God. I don't want your will. I want my will. I want... To pursue the things I want, I don't want the attention to be on you. I want the attention to be about it's me. Captain of my own ship, yes. master of my own fate. Right, which we celebrate, you know. In in a lot of um, um, uh, Invictus, the poem Invictus yep. is, uh, um, which so many people celebrate that poem. And I've always read that poem, thinking this is a stunningly unChristian poem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is a stunningly unChristian poem. I yeah. um, read the
0: the uh, I, I've preached on it before. There's a response poem. Oh no, yeah, it's beautiful. It's it's. Uh, I wish I had it. Uh, uh, on the top of my head, but um, it, it uses the same cadence and yes. many of the same words, but it twists it and yes. it, re- it redeems it in a yes. beautiful way.
1: It's a, it's a funny little poem because you read it and I remember reading it because you know, it was supposed to be a poem guys were supposed to read and supposed to be inspiring and yeah. you know build um, your confidence and things like that. And I remember reading it and saying, I, I have this love-hate relationship with Invictus because um, it really resonates with me. I really mm-hmm. want it to be true. Sure. I want to be captured in my own fate. Um, But everything that I know about Christ, it it just testifies against it. And it's also terrifying, the idea that I'm, you know, the the metaphor is being out on this giant ocean and sea, and it's up to me. Mm -hmm. You know, I've got to face the winds and the waves and all that kind of stuff, and oh my goodness. Um, So anyway, this, this is how we become hostile to our mind. And I think, you know, Paul clearly puts this in a past tense kind of thing. You were hostile in your mind. But for me, there are still days, you know, that I'm still trying to to serve two masters. And I find the more I am not intentionally seeking to live in Christ, the more easy, the more I fill my mind with the message of the world, the philosophy of this world, the more I focus on, and and again, these are things we have to pay attention to, but boy, the more I focus on 401ks and, you know, just the things of this world, the more um, the things of God you know, um, become annoying, become, you know, it's that Jesus is, you know, again, in the Sermon on the Mount, no person can serve two masters. They will hate one and they will serve the other. And so this is, this is the description uh, that Paul says. Um, he says you are, you're hostile in your mind and then your deeds became evil. I mean, even the deeds that look good were ultimately selfish and self-serving and not a very good thing. Um, but now we've been reconciled and that wonderful word reconciled, which is one of, I think there's I, I, I want to say there's like 14 different word metaphors that are used to try to describe the gospel or salvation. Reconcile is just such a beautiful word because it's it's at once legal and relational. That is to say that we were out of step, we're unreconciled, it didn't add up. We were alienated, we were outside, we are enemies of God, and now we're reconciled to God. We're brought back to God. And then he wants to reconcile everything. He's reconciling creation, he's reconciling... um, uh, culture, art, science, mathematics, and my emotions, my mental life. That's what I love about emotional health and discipleship. It's so much more holistic. This idea that he wants me not just to pray to pray so I can go to heaven someday, but he actually wants me to be in step with the icon, in step with the nature and character of God, and the vision he has for what I can be. And so, that again, almost every word, just the implication is true. Um, so in order that we would be holy, set apart for that which is special, blameless, um, and above reproach, so that we become, again, good people from whom good things naturally flow. And so this is the vision, this is the implication of the gospel of the icon of um, of Christ and being in Christ. Um, and, of course, that is this incredibly compelling vision. Um, but then he throws in this little, again, uh, phrase that... Um, Tempting not to notice, but um, we just <laughs> must notice um, with this wonderful uh, word, if, you know, it's a conditional clause. Um, it says, you know, if, if indeed, if indeed um, um, you continue in this faith. And mm-hmm. so that immediately then brings us this question, OK, well, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, I thought, you know, all I need to do is pray this prayer and I'm good. It's kind of like a contractual agreement between me and God. I just pray this prayer, and there's nothing I can do to un, un, undo it. In fact, if I pray this prayer, um, it's not by works. So any works I, I have, I would do, can actually invalidate you know, my faith in just the work of Jesus. And, of course, this, is, this has expressed itself in a lot of theological angst, a lot of mm-hmm. questions. When I was a new pastor... Um, was when a big controversy was going on called Lordship, the Lordship Controversy. And so you had John MacArthur, um, who was advocating that you must accept Jesus as Lord to be saved, and then you had people coming out of Dallas Dallas Theological Seminary saying, no, 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 you only accept him as Savior, and Lordship is another thing, but it's, it's, it's good, and we're for it, but it's optional, you know, and to, mm-hmm. to require Jesus to be Lord is actually um, a different gospel. Is a gospel of works, and then of course you had John MacArthur coming back and saying, "How in the world can you possibly read Jesus and think that he doesn't have those kinds of implications?" Was, I've never heard of this one. Yeah, this, this is, is interesting. Yeah, so this is it, it. It's thirty years old now. Yeah, the whole Lord. I mean, it expressed itself over and over again in different uh, manifestations. What is and the question is what is the what is the relationship to works of works to um, salvation. Um, and, and what kind of faith saves. Is it an intellectual assent to the facts, or is there something more profound? Is there a difference mm-hmm. between faith and belief? Um, 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 so, so, I mean, uh, and, you know, can a person um, have put their faith, trust, belief, lordship in Christ, and then as they go along, do some works that would invalidate them? From salvation, or could they turn away from that and lose that salvation, or did they ever have that salvation? Mm-hmm. And so, um, 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 that's the big—that's the big rub um, when we come to this. And for a lot of people, they'll come to passages like this, and they will—they'll um, get froze up. Um, I, I, I mentioned in the message this last weekend that when I first became a Christian, and actually for for years. Um, there were just times where, you know, you know, 16 year old boy and all the things going on inside a 16 year old boy, just, you know, when you read, you know, it definitely was a, a normal 16 year old boy. So you'd read a passage like, um, avoid sexual immorality and anyone who is sexually immoral line into the kingdom of God. So, oh, that, this shows that I've either yep. lost it or never <laughs> had it. And I'm just, I'm horrible and terrible. And, um, um, and then, you know, I, I think I've told the story before about uh, how the church I was in was heavenly dispensational. And so everybody's waiting for the rapture. And so I just was always afraid I was going to miss the rapture, you know. And so I was convinced I wasn't good enough or wasn't Christian enough. But there was this lady in church, actually my girlfriend's mom, who I knew was going to go to heaven. So I would actually call her house. <laughs> she would answer and I'd hang up right away. That was before caller ID or anything like just because I knew if she was there, I was good, just because... Oh, uh, just to check if she, she was check. physically in was the house still. It was kind of still. a rapture hotline wow. for me. Yeah, that's, that's, that's where I was at. <laughs> and so... Um, yeah, that's where I was at. And so she must have been so annoyed by that telemarketer. Said, that's exactly right. <laughs> Who's this dude, this creep who keeps calling me? Um, yeah, no telling. And I was probably all worried. So, oh man, heavy breathing and hanging up and probably just terrible. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> all kinds of implications there. But the point, the point is, is it leads people to um um uh really have deep debates, and I mean it's important questions. Uh, it, in reference to parenting, it's actually a really important question for your kids because, um, very, very common thing is for kids when they're young to grow up. And when you're growing up, everything you say is true. And so you Mm -hmm. tell them about Jesus and they love Jesus. And, you know, you're, I I can't tell you how many parents have come to me and said, my eight year old told me they're going to be a missionary. And they're just so, um, amazed at their parenting and how awesome they have done. And, um. And then a couple of years ago, my 13 year old hates me and doesn't believe in God, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, and then your kids grow up, and there is this horrible stretch um, where they're just doing their things—the college years, 20s, and stuff like that. Where I don't know, they're not going to church, they're going to church. They haven't rejected their faith, and then they're getting all these ideas and going to college. I just don't know where all these things are. But I, they really prayed that prayer, and they were baptized, and they're really—and and are they okay? Right. <laughs> And so you have all these kinds of, um, questions. So I just, what I thought we'd do today is I would lay out the issue and you could solve it.
0: Perfect. Okay. I'm on it. All right, good. Yeah.
1: yeah. So, so what has been your experience Ron? I know you've, you've done a lot of thinking and talking and. Yeah, this kind
0: of stuff. Well, we we had mentioned, you know, when you brought this up, my brain immediately goes to Calvinism and Mm -hmm. Arminianism, and we don't need to flesh all of that out. But uh, essentially, a question of of, is it even possible? Is it possible to lose your salvation? Is kind of the question that I remember we got into so many debates in college, Mm -hmm. and intense, many hours. And we've talked about this. You had much very similar uh, experiences, and um, so yeah, wrestling with these things, and. it's interesting as you, as you talk about those, those when, you're, when you're in the situation and you're struggling with whatever sin it might be, but yeah, sure, the sexual immorality thing, and you look at yourself and you say, right. clearly there's something broken in me, or right. clearly, you know, and it, it, the, th- the thought that comes to my mind is, we're really terrible at seeing, we can't see the, God's plan of, of sanctification, right, right? That, we're, that we're in the midst of. Right. If we're in the middle of it, we can't, we can't view that. Right. Right. Um, but for you and then for me and for so many others um e- even in those moments god was literally doing work inside of us mm-hmm. to change us to start to reframe our thinking about repentance mm-hmm. and about you know and, and and holiness and and it's pretty profound but no i i think um i think verses like this are sobering i think they're in there for a reason oh yeah i think they cause us um it, it reminds me of the of the the fear and trembling verses mm-hmm. like like you, Think about this. Think this about this deeply. Pray about this deeply. Uh, uh, um, um, what are you basing your your confidence on? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know this word that you kept using this weekend—the word assurance. Yes, I think is such a fascinating word because I think when I was younger, I maybe thought that it meant um, that uh, similar to you prayed the prayer. Right. Now just trust it. Right, you're good. You're in. Let it all go. Right, and I think as i get a little bit older and more life experience happens you st- it, it it becomes almost this ab- abiding it's so hard to put to words yeah. a a a more solid trust yeah i find these days that i i no longer even when sin is is heavily in the picture i no longer um find myself completely distraught that he's left me right where i i used to do that all the time right. just all the time every time i had a major sin fallout or or a, a prolonged season of doubt right. i i my conclusion was right. i'm broken um maybe he left me all yep. the lies that satan tries to slip into your ear and now um i'm more in a in a place where even in seasons of doubt which thankfully um i don't find myself in right now but we talked about this it was only a little little while ago for me that i i, I had lived through one of those and this last time the sense i had even though it was a pretty heavy season of doubt the the sense i had was but he he knows exactly where I am, and he has grace and patience for me. Exactly where I am, right. and and even during that time, I was still confident he's gonna get me through this. Right, and that's a little bit more how I how I've come to feel about that word assurance. Yes, is like this steadfast, abiding trust that yes. come what
1: may, he's got me. Yeah, it's experiential. Yeah, I mean, I you know, so I mean there's so much there uh, to what you just said, so much important, what you just said. I, I I think, um, the journey of getting to assurance is, is part of the sanctifying process. And it's something I think that's got to be earned. I think, I think, Mm. um, when you particularly are a young Christian or a Christian who maybe has been a Christian for a long time, but you've never seriously taken your discipleship seriously. Um, then you, you go through these seasons where, um, you you feel the Holy fear where you say, is my faith real? Is, you know, I remember, you know, you know, and then tradition, the, the church I was going to a very traditional Baptist church, um, you know, they would say things like, you need to ask Jesus in your heart. Well, what does that mean? If you really, really mean it, did I really, really mean it? I mean, and so those things were entirely not helpful. Um, um, and then I would sway back and forth. I would go, well, I'm pretty sure you can't lose your salvation. And the arguments are are, you know, because I'm trusting, Jesus said, you know, whoever calls him on the name will be Lord we saved. I've done that, you know, I'm trusting in his word, I'm trusting in his work. And and that was helpful in those times where I was feeling like he would abandon me. Hmm. I trusted in his faithfulness. And then there were other times where I would read those verses. You know, Hebrews has seven warning passages and a couple of those passages in there make it sound like, holy cow um, boy, I can, Mm -hmm. I can become apostate. That is to say, I can reject this. I can turn away from this. Um, and that at, and, and even the passages on sexual morality would fill me with a holy fear and, and they would bring me back to the point of saying, um, boy, obedience is not an optional thing. And, whether we choose to understand it or not, in some way, the scriptures, every scriptural author, from Jesus to John, particularly John, and then um, Paul, too, clearly connects actual works of righteousness with salvation in a real way. And then you do a deeper study and you understand, okay, well, salvation is a much broader term than you know, I was a sinner, I accepted Jesus, I get to go to heaven someday. Salvation has an aspect of a past event, a present reality, and a future promise. And so the idea of justification for my past sins, sanctification for as an ongoing process of becoming sanctified, which is another way of saying becoming holy, and then the promise of glorification, that I will be transformed in the blink of an eye, that all of that is part of that, and that a person of true faith participates in that with Christ. And so you get a more... Robust, rich understanding of salvation, and just again this more holistic view of salvation that God just doesn't want to change save me positionally. Mm-hmm. The idea that I am put in the position, and that's that's Ephesians language that God has raised me up with Christ and seated with me Him in heavenly places, that's so that so He can show the riches of His grace to coming ages. For it is by grace we're saved through faith, not by works. And then we period there, but then it says, um, you know, grace was saved through faith, not by works. but for for works of righteousness, that the works of righteousness come from that. So the Apostle Paul would have never compartmentalized it the way we would in our modern minds. And so, again, you know, having a a, a more adequate theology of it um, helps me enormously. And then just to the point you were making and point I was trying to make this weekend, the bigger issue for me (laughs) is even not about whether or not a person can lose their salvation or not lose their salvation. The the Scripture doesn't give us a great answer on that. No, it doesn't. Um, There's a reason why those
0: debates were so long. You can can, can find some pretty compelling arguments on either side of the aisle.
1: Either way. So the question then we have to ask ourselves as Christians is, okay, how then should I live? Well, I should live in such a way that I do works of righteousness not to earn my salvation, but with a sober reality that I'll stand before God, there will be judgment. The evaluation of, everything in the scripture seems to say that the evaluation about whether or not my faith will be real will be indicated by what I do, mm-hmm. not by what I profess. So so you should be able to see what I believe mm-hmm. by what I do. The word belief is a much more robust word than the word faith. You know, uh, the word pastuo for faith has... has it definitely has more than this but it starts with an intellectual understanding and a scent um the the word for belief is this kind of um i can't it's 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 a it's a soul defining thing you know i just believe that to be true and and because i believe it true it changes everything it changes how i look at things and what's important and priorities it's like having a baby in that respect that that everything is different because of that that's the kind of faith particularly john yeah gospel of john really emphasizes as a saving kind of a kind of faith
0: we talk about we're using this faith that endures like yes. i think what stands up to me and we can be we're, we're quite critical and i think rightly so of this whole prayer prayer once mm-hmm. you're good the problem is that that has taught many people yep that pray the prayer have a profound salvation experience and then coast yeah and that is that is the opposite of what we're being called to and when we say enduring I mean, how sad for someone at—I got saved at 16. Though, that's at least the, t- the time that everything became real for me. There right. was so much groundwork laid before that, which is beautiful. But how depressingly sad that's if sad. I have this amazing, beautiful experience with Jesus at 16 years old that changes everything about me. And that's right? as good as it gets. And that's as, that is the peak of the mountain. And then I coast, and I do nothing yeah. for him to develop myself, to grow in holiness, to grow in intimacy— and then at what? I live till if I'm lucky, you know, 80s, 90s, and then I go to heaven, and I don't, I don't even, I don't even know him, right? Like that. That is not what we're being called to. A faith that endures is one that after, even after we accept
1: him, that's the, that is the starting line. Well, and I mean, I, again, so much important than what you just said. I, I, I think that's why. I you mean, know, that, that's not just a modern philo- a, a problem. It's a bigger modern philosophy because of, um. Honestly, because of dispensation is which I can explain in a minute. But the 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 this is why the apostle Paul asked asked the question in Romans. He says, okay, well, it's by grace we're saved through faith. We confess the Lord Jesus Christ, believe in your believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, you'll be saved. And then he has to have this conversation. Okay, what then? Should we go on sinning? That grace would increase? If grace is good, God gets glory for saving sinners, maybe we should sin more so he gets more grace. And then he goes, By no means. Yeah. Do you not know that when you were baptized into Christ Jesus, you were baptized into his death. The old person died, a new person came. So it's not just an intellectual exercise of ascent to faith. Belief is something that changes the very fiber of your spiritual being, that the natural response. And then he goes on to talk about the struggle with sin, you know what I want to do, I hate to do, what I continue to do. But then he goes on to who will save me from this body of death, this, mm-hmm. this constant struggle which so many young Christians experience and older Christians experience. You know, he comes back, praise be to Jesus Christ, and the whole, then he goes on this wonderful conversation, chapter eight through twelve on the Holy Spirit. So he he's showing this process of sanctification, and that this is kind of the natural kind of process. Um, and again, you know, when I was a young Christian, you know, I, I was in a a, very, a Baptist church, that was very much into eternal security, and they they were the far end of eternal security. So we would say this one, this horrible phrase: "Once saved, always saved." Mm-hmm. You know, once mm-hmm. saved, always saved. You know, and and we meant it to. to and it, and you know, I get it because it was kind of an assurance thing. It was an encouraging thing for people who were afraid they weren't going to go to heaven. But it also was just a license to sin.
0: Mm-hmm. It
1: also was. Um, and and um, that was kind of a soft, um, kind of eternal security. And eternal security, it you know, is a a a step away from once saved always saved to this understanding that you know, um, you know. God is our father. And once he becomes our father, he didn't save us and then he's going to throw us away. There's nothing you can do that's going to make you stop loving the child you just had. That's a mirror of that. And so there's a truth there. There is a truth there. There that is deep and profound. Well, then it goes to the, the Calvinist, you know, Calvinism is the reform position. The five points of Calvinism. One of them is perseverance of the saints. Mm -hmm. And the whole idea there is that saving faith is changing faith and true faith is faith that preserves. So, that there's a really strong um, theme there that that the consequence or the result or the fruit of salvation is transformation. Um, regeneration, which is a really big, another one of those, I think, 13, 14 words for for uh, metaphors for the gospel, that, that something dead was regenerated, came back to life. The old man is gone. And again, one of the big debates is, because it's you know, is the old man gone or dead, or is he dying? Because there's a place in Corinthians where Paul seems to talk about the two as though there's still kind of a battle going on, mm-hmm. and there's a place in Romans where it makes it sound very clearly that the old is dead and the new has come, and in Corinthians as well. And so, so we struggle with this because we want hard, definitive answers. Paul, who has more of a Hebraic ancient mind. He just lets it all kind of flow together and he doesn't need it linear and logical. He's not over, overly Aristotelian and his... Right. We've his said before, look, yes. they, were,
0: they were comfortable holding things in tension. Unbelievably. we're not, but yes. they, they could hold two different concepts yes. or yes. more than
1: two concepts. So so this then leads us to this wonderful place of having the conversation about assurance. Um, um, so... so um, this is this is a word for the person who's listening to this podcast who is um, screaming at us right now um, because they live in this fear. They live in this tension that they're not good enough. They're struggling to want to make sure their faith, and they're just tell me what to do, tell me what to pray. I just want to know, um, you know, how to do this. Well, here is the truth about um, assurance. Assurance comes when the Holy Spirit brings it. Hmm. Um I wish I had a sermon five steps to get assurance. That's a good. I used answer. I used to give that. Um here's how you can know. And I I would quote scriptures like, you know. You could sell a great book though. You could. And I mean, many We're talking some much <laughs> during during the Lordship Salvation stuff, the books that were coming out. I've got multiples. I don't think I have many more cuz I, I cleaned my bookshelves a couple years ago. Th- threw away the garbage. <laughs> I don't even know if it's garbage. It's just I'm never going to read this again and they yeah. know what it says and um And some of it was good, but, but, but I would tell people, you know, um, he who began a good work in you will continually carry it out to Christ Jesus. I I would quote all the verses about Mm -hmm. assurance, you know, whoever calls upon the name will be saved. You know, all those kinds of things. You've done that, you know, trust in the character and nature of God is by grace through faith you're saved, not by works and all the assurance verses. Um, and I think it's good to give those verses to ourselves toward times where we feel like wondering if God has left us. Um, um, but, but they're not the only. But purposes. they're not the only thing. What what I started <laughs> to notice, it, it's so interesting about the different traditions that inform us on this, because we mentioned um, the Armenian um, Calvinistic position. Well, well, one of the positions, and, and I have found, um, and, and people ask, well, where are you on the reform thing? I'm a stunning disappointment to everyone. I'm a disappointment profoundly to my Calvinist friends who just shake their heads and, why don't you get it? Just read the Westminster Confession and you'll understand. And I have, and I... You know, I don't do the full five points, particularly limited atonement. Limited atonement. Anyway, another conversation, the other day. <laughs> um, and then um, my my um um uh, Armenian friends, horrible disappointment. You know, why aren't you preaching the fear of God more? Um, th- th- one of the people who helped me enormously is someone who's going to be more in the Armenian position. Although again, the Calvinist position has been wonderful for me. They have such a big view of God. They have such a yeah. trust Their in the sovereignty of, sovereignty of God. Yeah, uh, John Piper's book. Um, Oh, what's his seminal book uh, desiring God? desiring God is just a book everybody should read and you will just you'll realize God is not big enough in your life and that you know the chief end of man is to know God and enjoy him forever it's mm-hmm. just a glorious truth coming out of the reform movement well on the other side of it is John Wesley mm-hmm. so John and Charles Wesley who um, Wesley um, um, method where you get the Methodist Church from um, Five pillars of it, had to do with relationship, had to do with confession, had to do with scriptural reading and prayer and things like that. He had this incredible method. Well, he um, was one of the first biographies I read about a Christian being tormented by fears of not having assurance. Mm-hmm. And he just talks about having gone through this and gone through this and the difficult things, and, and, and it kept having him run back to God and run back to God. And I think that's one of the, the indications that your faith is real, is that does pressure make you forsake and run away from God? Yeah. I just make you run to God. And he just kept running back and clinging to God and hoping, he, you know, repraying prayers and all yeah. those kinds of things. Can I say
0: real, really yes. quick about the running back to God, too? Sometimes that's messy. Like, I oh, just want to be clear with that because maybe when you hear that phrase, you might think that whenever the hard thing happens, you have such a, you have such a holy response. I'm yes. like, okay, Jesus,
1: I need you. No, sometimes you're pretty broken yeah. as you limp back. <laughs> sometimes it looks like I believe hell with my disbelief. Sometimes it looks yep. like the apostle saying, Jesus saying, are you going to abandon me, too? He says, you know, we really don't have any place else to go. <laughs> I, love, I love the imagery of that. Yeah. I mean, come on. Where else are we going to go? We don't have a plan B. <laughs> we're really confused. This is really hard, and we're not sure, but we're here.
0: If you could talk less <laughs> about eating your blood, <laughs> yeah,
1: that would make things easier. That would make it easier to keep a crowd. <laughs> <laughs> not seeker-sensitive Jesus. <laughs> well, anyway, reading John Wesley's biography, um, he was talking about he had just very discouraged. I mean, depressed, suicidal. Going to this little service in a chapel. Uh, everybody was Anglican where he was at that time, and just um, he 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 just said while in there seeking God, um, I was strangely moved and strangely warmed. Hmm. I believe is the term he used, and he said from that time on, I just knew. I knew that I knew that I knew that I had assurance of salvation, and it, it goes back to that wonderful horrible obviously wonderful because the Bible, right? A verse from First John where he says, you know, God's spirit testified to my spirit, testifies to our spirit that we are children of God, that there's a place of assurance where we have walked with God long enough. He knows that we're ready to be done with the angst. He, he has shown his faithfulness in ways. We continually run back to him where that just goes away. That just go my w- wife Whitney has a wonderful testimony about it. An older woman shepherded her through that because she grew up in this this thing of constantly she had i mean a part of it too is i mean I have big abandonment issues adult child of alcoholic my wife has big abandonment issues you know if you had grew up in a family where um it's very much a doing what have you done for me lately orientation to trust a lot of times that has to work out your salvation in that kind of way and Whitney has a um huge abandonment stuff because of she was abandoned her father left when she was eight i mean but just shepherding through that and realize that this is a different kind of father Mm -hmm. um and that there's just this place where the holy spirit i just don't doubt it anymore and even in those times where you do have doubts where it's difficult where overwhelmed where you're numb what all the experience we read about the psalms there is just like you said just this still testifying that I don't know how I'm going to get through this, but you're going to go get through this. You're going to get me through this. And, and then, you know, and the thing I say to people all the time when they're going through difficult times is it's really hard. This is horrible. And we need to be honest about that and feel that, but it won't always be this hard. Hmm. It won't always be this dark. It won't always feel like this. There will be different seasons of sunshine and bright, and you're in a season of gray, um, but it won't always be like this. And that's, that's what, that's what assurance is. Um, Hmm. It's a combination of, learning better theology, learning more scripture, walking with Jesus, and then just the Holy Spirit showing up at a time and testifying to your spirit. You know, that, um, that you know... Uh, and, and the Methodists actually have a word for it. Something unction, I think. I forget what it is, but there's just... They talk about this place where... Because Methodists actually do believe you can lose your salvation, uh, the, historically. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are very many in that respect. But they realize there is a point for them um, where you get assurance of that salvation, and then, you know, mm-hmm. that stuff's off the table. I like you know, the way you answered that of, like, it,
0: it, the Holy Spirit will bring it yep. in his time, at the appropriate time, mm-hmm. which is not always the most satisfying answer because it, it isn't a, a, a get-this-done-quick thing. I think what else I would say to that question of, like, what can I do right now? I think the imagery of Jesus calling the disciples and just saying, follow me, yeah, is a pretty powerful place to start yeah. because it denotes, like, to follow your imagine what their lives were like they they went with them everywhere yeah. and it was a part of their everyday experience and he was there was a forming that was happening over time right and so i think that simple invitation is a great place to start and then i would say if you're looking for a spot in in scripture at least for me to park and you're looking for some verses that would that would fill your heart and 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 make you help you feel safe with him um I always go to the great high priestly prayer yeah. John 16 I uh, think uh, 17 17 Um re- really I, I like to just kind of start at, at at the Passover feast the the Lord's Supper and, and all the way up until um yeah. he's taken in the garden. Um, and yeah that
1: the whole do not let your hearts be troubled yeah.
0: Well, and the way he talks to the Father, it's his, it's his, it's his prayer. And when it, the way the, this imagery of I am in you and you are in me, and mm-hmm. and, and let's bring them into this, yes. so that they can experience. And there's something about this that um, mysterious yeah. unification language that, as I read it, I'm like, oh, okay, there's so much more going on here yeah. than what I can see. It reminds you know earlier I said that comment of like we're we're bad at seeing the overall timeline yeah. when we're in the middle of it. All it feels like is confusion. Yeah. But when we're past it and we look back at the story, we're like, wow. Wow, well, he was there every step.
1: Well, and my Calvinist friends would quickly want to jump up and say, and just understand, of course, that God is looking at this from above. Mm-hmm. He sees the whole thing. And he's obviously planned the whole thing and knows exactly what you're going to do and he's chosen all that. Another conversation of the day. But the point... Are the, we going some no, point? Or we or to- no, we're no, we're <laughs> no. But the, the, the point the point is, is that, and I think there's a beauty to that, that, that um, you know, and for me, I remember... He knew every struggle I was gonna have when he knew me and he chose me and he loved chose to love me. Um and so halfway through my life he's gonna say, Oh birth you, I didn't know you're gonna do that. If I knew you were gonna do that, there's no way I would have loved you. You know, um but instead he he you know, while I was still a sinner, Christ Jesus died for me. Mm-hmm. You know, it it's such a beautiful thing. I l lo- that reference is it's a great point of wisdom. Um the John Seventeen, because that's the passage where Jesus defines salvation relationally. He says, "This is eternal life, that they might know you, Father, and the Son you sent." I mean, that the 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 ultimate. Heard a wonderful again podcast yesterday where uh, someone asked a Christian man, a Muslim asked a Christian man, "What is the, what is for you the meaning of life?" And his answer was to be united with God. And I thought, "Boy, that's right that 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 is as right as a, a Orthodox Christian who answered it." Mm-hmm just a super, super cool thing. So I I would want to add one more little caveat for the person who um, has someone they love who seems to have wandered from faith, whether they've fully rejected it or whether they have lapsed it. I mean, I'm in that journey as a parent so that I've got um, um, five kids at various points of their journey of faith. And I won't say too much about it because it's their journeys and it's their kinds of things. Um, but what God has given me on that is one to let go of my agenda of what I would want to see them have and do. And, you know, um, um, and, and the two other things he's given me is one, just a kind of assurance that they are in his hands and that, uh, they were his children before they were my children. And he loves them in a way that I can't. And the other thing is to see, Um, you know, I can, I can look at the things, boy, I wish this was different. I wish that was different. I wish they were professing Christ more, coming to church more, those kinds of things like that. Um, um, but there are a whole lot of Christian are people who do that, who don't really know Christ. Mm -hmm. So what he's given me is this wonderful thing of saying, okay, what's awesome about these guys? And each one of them has something that is thoroughly Christian about the life they live, the way they treat people the way they move and live in society, and they're in that fuzzy in-between time, post-school, early education, late education, done education, getting career, getting married, where it's just really hard to figure out a relationship to God and church, and they are living in a remarkably complicated time, which we're going to start talking about this weekend of just trying to figure out life and faith, and um, boy, what is the church even with, with all that the church has been presenting itself as here in the last couple of years. So, uh, just for any of you who are daily, um, filled with angst for your kids, pray for them, put them in the hands of God. Um, just be mindful of, of, of the adult relationship you can have with them where they can see Christ in you, as opposed to, um, the pressure we put on them to go to church or read the Bibles or whatever or other kinds of things they're going to do. Um, And God has just given me a huge amount of peace about that. So um, that's great, yeah. So that's that's kind of what I would say about that. We are transitioning here in this next part of the Colossians. We're we're shifting the name of the message series, so we're doing series within the book. And um, this is a place a place to stand. We're going to talk about okay. Now that we have the implications of all this stuff with Christ, um, you know, in in a world where there's so many ideas, what Paul calls plausible arguments. You know, how do we stand? How do we not get swept away in the current of all the ideas and the philosophies and the understandings? And um, we're going to take start taking a look at that this next week. So, yeah.
0: Very good. Man, yeah. what a fun conversation. It was. It was good. I really enjoyed this one.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's a good, hopefully it'll help again. Um, maybe, we, maybe we can just end with prayer. Um, praying for the person who... Um, maybe is um full of angst maybe because of their own wondering where their um faith is <clears throat> as well as someone they love for their kids it is an interesting to me um watching so many people who just have a deep love for jesus um raise their kids in the church just did so much right um and then their kids do wander or didn't the story didn't play out the way they wanted it to and how that creates a different level of crisis and, and faith struggle for them. Mm-hmm. And so let's just pray for all folks in those different spots. So, Father, we love you, and we thank you that you do stand above us, that you see how the whole story is written and plays out, and you see how things ebb and flow. And so we just want to give you um, glory for that. We ask you to help us because we're in the middle of the story. And we thank you. Even that song we sing, you hold it all together, which is from Colossians. Um, you are in the middle, and thank you for that. You have the future, the past, but you you are in the middle. So I pray for everybody who right now is in the middle. Maybe they're personally struggling with wondering how could God ever love me? I've been so bad. I just, I just, I just am going through a difficult time. I would pray right now, Father, that you would remind them of the truth that you are faithful, that you are good, you will never leave them or forsake them that you are a God who will finish the work you began in them. Even the fact that they are under conviction about these sins in their life is an indication that you are working. And that, um, you know, if they didn't, um, weren't bothered by sin, that would be, uh, that would be what should concern them. I thank you, father, that, that, that you're with them. And I pray that you would meet them in their journey and bring the assurance that your spirit would testify with their spirit, that they're children of God. Um, in the right time, in the right way. And I just pray a blessing. I pray, Father, for all of us who have those we love, who we deeply want to know Jesus and walk in the fullness of Jesus. And so we see um, our kids, our brothers, our sisters, our friends who seem to be wandering, seem to be um, sometimes rejecting, sometimes just indifferent. Um, we would pray that you would just teach us to pray and teach us to put them in your hands and teach us to reflect the love of God and to trust you. Um, that you are capable to handle our story, but you're capable to handle their story as well. And so we just put them again in your hands, and we ask you to draw them to you in your time, in your way. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for the process of growing up and sanctifying that you're bringing us in. And we just want to express our trust to you in this time. In Jesus' name.